0: Welcome to another episode of Hitting Pay Dirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number fifty-one, and I'm Alex Bodry. Good morning to all of you. Um This podcast is sponsored by Rain Today. They're not actually a sponsor, as in they don't pay me any money, uh, but I am running on straight caffeine this morning. So uh, thanks to them for getting the day started. It's 5.53 a.m., getting this out on time. And I got a couple of topics to talk about today. So we got the Debo Samuel news. We got the Denzel Ward slash Zavian Howard agent Twitter beef And then I want to talk a little NIL again because it it bears repeating and uh, the old men yelling at clouds is getting a little old. So first, um, let's start with um, the Debo Samuel news. So this is all, (laughs) I was talking to Klemecki the other day and (laughs) I sent him the, the GIF of, Ron Burgundy saying wow this escalated quickly so this went from no news to hey, debo changes instagram to he's requested a trade and it seems to have happened all very quickly and apparently the the beef there is not that it's money uh cuz apparently the 49ers are or have offered him a long-term deal uh turns out wide receivers don't like playing running back so he wants out and he's had enough and he wants to move on so i want to talk about this not in the context of where he may end up Um, i do believe that if he's going to get traded it will be in the next seven days Uh, the draft is exactly one week from today if a team wants to move on from a player for draft picks you want those draft picks to be in this year's draft it's It's kind of like inflation when it comes to draft picks. Draft picks in the current year are worth more than draft picks in the future years. Um, If you trade Debo Samuel for a 2023 first round pick, it doesn't really help you for a whole year. You're just kind of sitting there with nothing to show for it. So if he does get moved, I do believe it'll happen very quickly. Um, So we'll see on that front. I want to talk about this more in the context of player empowerment and the right of superstars to move on when they deem they want to move on. So I talked about this in a couple podcasts specifically around players like Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. We talked about it in the context of Aaron Rodgers and how he was unable to move last year and now he seems fine enough to stay in Green Bay. Uh, But Tyreek Hill... Devontae Adams, all of those top performing players at their position, all with, well, not uh, Russell Wilson may be the exception, but all, you know, had con- oh, and Sean, but his circumstances are unique and we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast, but, you know, Tyreek and Devontae, they both had a year left. Devontae was on the franchise tag. Hill had a legit year left both guys want to move on and both were able to, they were able to get trades from their current team and the Packers and the chiefs were both able to get good, solid draft picks for those players. So Debo Samuel seeing what his wide receiver brethren are doing, um, is the next to test this. I was talking, uh, with some friends about this issue and If Debo Samuel is able to get a trade and he's able to get out of San Francisco, this would signal that the NFL is catching up to other leagues like the NBA in terms of player empowerment. Right now, these San Francisco 49ers hold all of the cards. They have all of the leverage. The only thing that Debo Samuel has going for him is that he's clearly signaling he's not going to sign a long-term deal. He currently has one year left on his rookie deal. So the 49ers may look at it like as, as in a long-term investment and say, look, this guy's not going to be here forever. We don't want to let him walk in free agency and all we get is a compensatory pick. Like If we're going to do something, let's get some actual value for it. So that is some leverage. But in terms of the near future, the 49ers hold the leverage. First of all, we've talked about holding out. It is damn near impossible to hold out. He's going to get fined if he holds out from camp, you know, $40,000 a day. Plus, if he misses six days, he would owe some signing, signing bonus money. Uh, there's just a lot, a lot that goes into it. Furthermore, and this issue was brought up on Twitter by SpotTrack.com, a phenomenal tweet. Under Article 8 in the Collective Bargaining Agreement, there is an, there is an accrued seasons calculation. So, I forget what podcast it is. It might have been in the first 10 I've done. I talked about accrued seasons versus credited seasons. For rookies specifically, accrued seasons are extremely important because that is what allows you to get to free agency. So back before all rookie deals were at least four years in length, accrued seasons were a very big deal um, and you saw more restricted free agents. So I'll just run through this really quickly just to kind of give you some background. And then I want to talk about it in the context of Debo Samuel. So in accrued season is a season for which a player was on or should have been on full pay status for a total of six or more regular season games, okay? So that would include, um, you know, injured reserve. That would include uh, obviously on the active and active roster. Um, It does not include the exempt commissioner permission list the reserve pup list as a result of a non-football injury or the practice squad it would also include it would include the physically unable to perform uh, list due to a football related injury so again just to repeat that an accrued season is a season during which a player has been on full pay status active inactive injured reserve or physically unable to perform due to a football injury for six or more regular season games. It is important for rookies because if you have less than four accrued seasons, you are not an unrestricted free agent. Okay, So if you have two or less accrued seasons, you're an exclusive rights free agent. If you have three accrued seasons, so this is where most of the Um, undrafted free agent types who've played their three years out on an undrafted free agent deal. Once they play those three years out, they have three accrued seasons. They are restricted free agents. And that's where you'll see those tender offers coming out. And we can talk about that in future podcasts. And then once you have four or more accrued seasons, you are able to become an unrestricted free agent unrestricted free agency is where players make money because then you can test the market, you get offers, look at what the wide receiver market has done really ever since Christian Kirk signed that deal in Jacksonville. It's really exploded. And it's, I think we're now going to get to the point where we're going to see a split in the league philosophy of, do you go out and get top guys and pay them 28, $30 million a year, or do you draft and develop younger talent? Again, that's for a future discussion as well. So let's get back to Debo Samuel. Under Article 8, which is specifically titled Veterans with Fewer Than Three Accrued Seasons, Section 1, Section B states, A player shall not receive an accrued season for any league year in which the player is under contract to a club and in which he failed to report to the club's preseason training camp on that player's mandatory reporting date which is the important part here, or the player thereafter failed to perform his contract services for the club for a material period of time. So in the context of Debo Samuel, we talked about how expensive it is to hold out. He could be fine fine, may end up the right word. He would have to give back some signing bonus money if he missed at least six days of training camp. And we walked through uh, a couple podcasts ago what that would look like moving forward and how much that would cost. We did it in the context of another player, but I think you get the point. And he'd be fined $40,000 a day. And if he misses the first day of training camp, he does not report on time. He would not receive an accrued season, meaning he would be a a restricted free agent. So if he's truly looking for 25 to $30 million per year, that number would... Plummet to three, $4 million, whatever his restricted free agency price tag would be, and he would be stuck with the 49ers for another year. That is a very big deal, and something that these w- rookie wide receivers who are demanding new contracts need to be aware of when they're exploring their options of, you know, making it miserable on the team. Now, again, do I think we'll get to the point where he won't? report to camp. No, I do not. And if him and his agent are planning accordingly, if the 49ers are going to stick their feet in the ground and say, look, we're not trading Debo Samuel. Our offense revolves around him. We want him here. He needs to show up. I think Debo and his agent would be smart to show up to camp on time. And you'll start to see the, oh, my hamstring hurts. I'm not going to participate. You know, the hold in versus the hold out. Because if he does decide not to show up to camp, losing a crude season for a player like Debo Samuel would be extremely detrimental. So, the 49ers hold the leverage there. They also hold the leverage in the fact that if they really want him, they can franchise tag him. And he'd be stuck there for not only this year, but next year as well. From a team-building standpoint and a morality standpoint, do you really want a guy who really doesn't want to be there? Like that can't be good for the locker room. At the same time, is it good for the locker room that he already wants out? I mean, you have your star player on offense, no longer wants to be on that team. For whether it's because he was used inappropriately or he feels he was used inappropriately or whatnot. Um, not a great situation to be if you are in the 49ers locker room. I don't know if there's any good choices um but we'll see so this comes down to this is a true test of are we getting to a player empowerment era in the nfl i think five years ago this never would have happened now i think we're watching superstars move when they want to be moved and debo samuel is the latest to try it he's the first one on a rookie deal to try it to my knowledge and if he's able to do it, you can guarantee AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin are watching very carefully, as are the Tennessee Titans and the Washington Commanders. Because if you want to, if a guy wants out and he's able to get out, and they're able to find willing trading partners, um, this this is going to be a very good thing for the players and a very big headache for the teams. So you know, again, just to kind of wrap a bow on this. Debo Samuel has leverage in the fact that he can be a giant pain, and the 49ers, knowing they're not going to sign him long-term, may be looking just to get whatever they can out of him, similar to what the Packers did with Devontae, similar to what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill. On the flip side, if this gets ugly, Debo needs to understand that he has very little leverage when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement. Holding out is not only expensive, it would cost him an accrued season, which would cost him tens of millions of dollars. So if this drags out long term, him and his team need to prepare and have a strategy on how they're going to report to camp, how they're going to handle it once the season gets going. um, Because holding out would have it, it would be it would be extremely detrimental and it would it would hurt his ability to find a new team. So if the 49ers are going to be stubborn here, he needs to be prepared to to play. I don't care what he says publicly to try and get out out of San Francisco, but he needs to be prepared to play for the 49ers, suck it up for a year, and then move on in free agency. Okay, and again, if he's going to get moved, it's going to happen, in my opinion, in the next seven days because the 49ers are going to want draft picks this year. And it sounds like there's a handful of teams that are interested. So they may be able to get that compensation immediately. All right. We got a good old-fashioned agent source Twitter beef. And I'm talking about the Denzel Ward versus the Xavier Howard contracts. So David Cantor, who is Xavier Howard's agent, claims that Saving Howard is the highest paid corner. And if I read Adam Schefter's tweet appropriately, Tori Dandy and Jimmy Sexton from CAA, who is Denzel Ward's agents, or who are Denzel Ward's agents, they believe that Denzel Ward is the highest paid corner in the league. So who's right? Because we got a good old-fashioned (laughs) source-off No, my guy's the highest paid. No, you. No, my guy's the highest paid. And who's right? Well, I'll talk about it in the context of which contract I would rather have. Um, but both, I think it, it's kind of funny. Agents like this type of stuff because if you're David Cantor, you can say, "Look, you're you know you're recruiting the you're you're recruiting Sauce Gardner in this year's draft." And I'm making this up. I don't know who sauce decided to pick as an agent but i'm making this up you can go to the top corner in the draft Derek stingley say look i represent Xavier howard he's the highest paid corner i negotiated that contract that is a powerful recruiting message same for the agents over at caa who've just negotiated denzel ward's contract they can say look you know um we negotiated this deal this is why you should sign with us blah, 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 right? Makes sense. So, and if you go on their websites, they'll brag about that. We negotiated the largest cornerback deal in NFL history, and you get to leave that up for about six months until the next guy comes up. So it's kind of, you know, pointless to bicker about it, but I understand it. Uh, It's a recruiting pitch. So who's right and which contract would I rather have? Xavier Howard's is a little bit more complicated. So He signed a contract extension in 2019. It was a five-year, $75 million deal with an average salary of $15 million per year. It became pretty clear pretty early that that was a very team-friendly deal. So Xavier Howard fired his agent and signed David Cantor to renegotiate his deal. I have to give David Cantor all the credit in the world for getting the Dolphins to sign a new deal. It would have been very easy for the Dolphins to say, look, we just went through this in 2019. You are signed through 2024. We'll renegotiate as we get closer to the end of your contract. Instead, uh, the Dolphins came to the table and they upped his numbers. So his new deal is five years, $90 million dollars, with an average salary of $18 million. Now, David Cantor's point is, look, there's $25 million worth of new money here. I got him an additional $17 million in signing bonus. And we were able to up his deal, and the number he keeps throwing around is an average annual value of $25 million. I have to be honest. I don't know where he's getting that money from. I'm looking at both bullspotrack.com and over the cap. They both seem to agree that the old contract was kind of ripped up and the new contract is taking that place. So the new contract does seem to be five for 90 as opposed to five for 75. So take it for what it is. Um, you know, there may be some specifics. Again, all of these, whether it's spot track or over the cap, they're doing their best from sources to figure out the terms of this deal without actually going on to the NFLPA's website, which would be a big no-no from my standpoint because that, that information is confidential. So I'm going off of what's on spot track and what's on over the cap. Um, it appears that this is more five for 90. A couple of interesting notes on Xavier Howard's contract from the agent's perspective, and then we'll get to Denzel Ward and which contract I'd rather have as an agent. So let's assume I'm Xavier Howard's agent, and I sign that five-year, seventy-five million-dollar deal through twenty twenty-four. As an agent, I am entitled to that compensation, whether or not Xavier Howard fires me. Okay. So let's assume I'm getting paid 1% of Zavian's salary, 75 mil. That means I'm getting $750,000 in commissions over the lifetime of that salary. <clears throat> so I'm owed that money. Now Zavian Howard fires me. says, you didn't do a good enough job I'm worth more than this. I want a new agent. Okay. I am still owed that 750 grand. So in steps David Cantor, in order for David Cantor, the new agent, to get paid, he must renegotiate that deal. And if the if the total money would have been less, there is a very kind of complicated calculation on which agent gets which money know that as the old agent, I would still get some of that compensation. It's kind of like on a proration basis, maybe a, a different discussion. However, because it went up, it becomes a little bit easier. So if the old deal was five for 75 and the new deal is five for 90, that $15 million, that additional 15 million is really all that. Well, it gets even more complicated than that. So he was signed through 2024. So for the next three years... Instead of the fifteen million dollars in yearly cash, the new yearly cash is about eighteen point two five or eighteen five. So that three million dollar delta is where David Cantor is going to be able to charge commissions. So if he's charging one percent, he's gonna get one percent of that three million dollars every year above and beyond what the old contract had. So his what the new agent's paid is drastically less than what the old agent is still gonna get paid through the life of that old contract. Then in beginning in 2025, um, David Cantor will be able to collect on the full cash amount that he receives. So just kind of an interesting note there for everybody to understand. I talk to players about this all the time. Once you are with an agent and they negotiate a deal on your behalf, you're tied to that agent. Now good on David Cantor for getting the dolphins to the table and doing a new deal. Not only does it get him paid, um, but it shows other players, look what I can do. And that is a fantastic recruiting tool. So I think he probably took this on for more reasons than just money. Um, But that's a little bit of a behind the scenes look into how agents are paid and what happens when a player switches agents. All right, let's look at the Denzel Ward deal. He signed a five-year, $100 million, $500,000 deal. And that $500,000 deal is where the Quote, unquote highest paid corner talk is coming from because uh, Jalen Ramsey had a five for 100 deal. So that extra $500,000, according to his agents, makes him the highest paid, uh, makes him the highest paid corner. He had a $20 million signing bonus, $44.5 million guaranteed at signing with some roster bonuses and other things. 71.25 million is total guaranteed. So if I had to pick one of the two contracts, I'm definitely going with Denzel Ward. So I'm going to give Denzel Ward and his representatives the win here. Again, not to take away what David Cantor was able to do with Xavier Howard because phenomenal to get the Dolphins back at the table. And he did right by his client. But looking at $71.25 million total guarantees, uh, that's what I'm taking. That's huge. That's great that's 71 percent of the total contract is being fully guaranteed or guaranteed that's fantastic so some contract notes 44 and a half million dollars are guaranteed at signing um, that includes signing bonus of 20 million his 2022 salary a 2023 salary and a 2023 option bonus plus one million dollars of his 2024 salary so kind of locking in money for the next three years the remaining 14.3 of 2024 salary guarantees on the third league day of 2023 I like those contracts because if if the Browns decide to try and move on they have to cut them early which gives him the ability to go find a new team as quick as possible so if you're going to do a option bonus or a roster bonus doing it as early in the league year as possible is best for the player. So I like, I I love that. Um, 12 and a half million of his 2025 salary fully guarantees on the third league day of 2024. And then his option bonuses 2023 option bonus is 18.4 million fully guaranteed. And then he's got some roster bonuses in 26 and 27 and a per game active bonus of $35,000. Love this contract. His team did a great job. He's going to be in Cleveland for at least the next four seasons um and he's gonna get cash over those next four seasons you know 21 million, 23 million, 16 million and then 14 million. So you know he did I, I, I love this deal if I had to pick one I'm gonna go with this deal again so I'm declaring CAA, Tori Dandy and Jimmy Sexton the winners in this little, online Twitter beef. And really I I haven't even seen them jump into the fray. It's just David Cantor uh, (laughs) yelling, no, my guy's the highest paid guy on Twitter. Um, But again, Xavier Howard got a good deal too. So everybody's a winner here. Everybody gets a trophy, but I think Denzel Ward's contract's a little stronger. Um, I like the way they, they built it out. It's team friendly from a cap standpoint. Um, at least over the next two years, obviously in 2024, that number jumps up quite a bit. As we get to his age 29 season in 2026, his cap number is going to be 27.6 million. That would be concerning from an agent standpoint, but that's five years from now. And we'll figure it out. Then you can always can convert, kick the can down the road, but if he's going to get cut, it would probably be then because that is a big cap hit for a corner. But congrats to Denzel Ward um, on an an excellent contract, well-deserved, in Cleveland. And Cleveland is dishing out the money, a lot of guaranteed money. I think I saw something over the last couple months. They've spent over $400 million in fully guaranteed money. A lot of that's due to Sean Watson, but that also means they're paying other players too. So they are breaking out the checkbook. All right, last topic. Name, image, and likeness. Um, Nick Saban was the most recent coach to jump into the fray and say this is unsustainable. The fact that all of the top-tier Division I coaches are the ones complaining about it lets me know that name, image, and likeness is working. There's going to be more parity in football. Alabama is losing recruits to other schools who are willing to dish out more money in terms of name, image, and likeness. And when I say schools, of course, I mean they're boosters – and these collectives that are popping up. Now, a couple of things that athletes specifically do need to be aware of. And this, there was a great article in The Athletic that came out yesterday or the day before talking about it. It is still illegal, whether by state law or NCAA regulations, for a player to be paid to play at a certain school. So, you know, it will be interesting if it comes out in the contract that that kid from California who's going to Tennessee for $8 million, if that $8 million is contingent on him going to Tennessee and playing football for Tennessee, he could be deemed ineligible, which think about what that would do to his playing career. And do not think that the NCAA wouldn't do something like that. They certainly would. They've made guys ineligible for getting a ride in a car. Okay. So It's interesting to watch, you know, what does the NCAA do? Ever since last summer, they seem to be very reluctant to do anything that would restrict trade. The last thing they want is to be sued again um, because they would likely lose. It's just the athlete does need to be understanding of who's assuming the risk if you're signing a deal before you go to college to attend a certain university and you know I saw one of the lawyers in the articles who's drafting his contracts said, look my contracts have no inducement language and you know I feel good about it well just because it specifically says this is not an inducement doesn't mean that it is or isn't so my advice to athletes would be pick your school and then sign your NIL deals after you've already enrolled, after you're already in school. The problem for athletes is that NIL has quickly turned from how do we get kids who are currently on our roster paid to how do we get that money shifted towards recruits to get the best recruiting class in. And I will admit that was probably not the intent of name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness should be for the players who are already on a team to you know, do speaking engagements, monetize their podcast, autograph signings, endorsements, etc. It now has certainly flipped to come to our school and we'll make sure you get an NIL deal. <sighs> certainly a little bit shadier, and certainly, if that's the case, it violates NCAA rules. So as an athlete, as a high school athlete, you need to be very aware of what you're signing and what the long-term implications are. Because if you are deemed ineligible, think about what that would do to your NFL career. It would kill it. Um, So be very careful. We'll see where, if anything, the NCAA goes with this. Right now, they seem to be a little timid about it, but if they do come forward, it's it is a cause for concern. So I just want to say to the athletes, you are the one taking on the risk when accepting money. Make sure you're working with someone you trust, and you know, be patient. If you can, please be patient. Um, just because you know you don't want to be the you don't want to be the example that the NCAA comes after and you could be violating state law, and I don't think you want that either. In terms of the college coaches at top programs complaining about it, I think this is leveling the playing field. I think it's fantastic. Also, for all the college coaches um, complaining about the transfer portal, I think name, image, and likeness will help solve that. Again, another great article by David Ubin in The Athletic this morning talking about how NIL and players receiving compensation could help keep them out of the transfer portal. If I am, if I get an NIL deal to go to Alabama, but I'm not getting playing time, do I really want to transfer out to a different program who may pay me less money? No, I might be more inclined to stay at that school, work harder and try and play there because I'm getting paid to be there. Furthermore, they had uh, some great statistics on guys leaving school early to head to the draft and how many of those guys go undrafted. The number of players who are leaving early is dropping. You're seeing it in basketball. Um, that kid from North Carolina staying for an extra year um, because he's got like $2 million in um, – oh, here we go. Directly from The Athletic. Uh, college basketball, Kentucky's Oscar – to Shwebe and UCLA Jamie Jaquez uh, already have elected to return. Um, again, they have agents, which are quoted in the article, which is fantastic. Um, the kid from Kentucky, if he stays, there's a multi million dollar deal on the table. So, no longer does a kid have to leave early just for a chance to make a dollar. He can stay in school, he can graduate, and he can get paid. And if you think about it in the context of the NFL, the rookie minimum is $705,000, but that's only if you make an active roster. If you're a practice squad player, that drops to like $9,500 a week, which is still good money, but certainly not that kind of money. And, you know, your contract's not guaranteed, but if I stay in school and I can get, you know, $500,000 to continue to play at a high level in college sports, I would recommend doing that. You get to beef up your draft stock. If you can go earlier in a round, you have a better chance of sticking on a roster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So NIL is fantastic for athletes. And yes, I understand as an agent, I have a vested interest in allowing players to get paid because that gives me more revenue streams. I understand that. But I'm looking at this more as an advisor to these athletes. Not only can they get paid as long as they do it the right way, but now I can finish my degree which now I have a backup plan after my playing days are over because nothing's guaranteed in this life. Um, It may slow down the activity in the transfer portal. And as a fan of college athletics, specifically football, this will level the playing field in ways that we could not have done without limiting scholarships. If nothing would have changed, it's Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, I mean, it's the same eight teams or so that have a chance to win a national championship every year. Now look at what Tennessee's been able to do through name image and likeness where they're getting a top five-star quarterback recruit. Um, That's going to help that program, that program which has been down ever since Peyton Manning left. So, you know, spare me the this isn't sustainable and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's not. And some of these collectives will probably go out of business. Players will have legal recourses to try and recoup that money. That's another concern I've seen. But this is good for college sports. It will level the playing field. You'll see more programs get creative with this. You'll see see those programs get more competitive. And athletes have an opportunity to get paid while they attend school, which is what apparently we all wanted until it's time to actually start paying these guys. And if you're the school... If you're the school, you should want this because it's your boosters who are paying for it, not you. You still collect the TV money. Um, you still collect ticket money. You're still winning here. I, I really don't understand the giant pushback other than, hey, you know, we're not able to get that recruit we used to get because they're they're going somewhere else. Figure it out. You can't tell me that Alabama's boosters doesn't don't have it figured out. Come on. Spare me. Last thing I'll say on this, uh, there's a f- tweet from Andrew Brandt who talked about one of his agent friends said NIL is fantastic for saving agent expenses. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody listening that agents have been paying players for years. Um, now with NIL, agents aren't paying those players. They are um, you know, turning to name, image, and likeness. They're actually probably making a little bit of money and they're no longer having to pay these college kids' living expenses until they're eligible for the draft. So that was Andrew Brandt's friend or source take on it. Um, I do think hopefully this will clean up some of that because it is bad for football. Any agent who's caught doing that would be suspended by the NFLPA. It's a big no-no. It would hurt the kids' eligibility. Um, so maybe this will clean up some of the unintended consequences of agent life because agents, because of things like this are looked at as snakes. Hopefully it's good for our industry. Like I said, many times there's always going to be bad actors, but this might be able to bring things out into the open. Hopefully it becomes more of a meritocracy where the cream rises to the top and everybody can be happy. It's out in the open. It's not shady. There's no more duffel bag sh- exchanging hands i think this is just best for the long term of college sports despite what you know some of these coaches are saying and of these schools are saying I, I just think as they figure it out and we get into a rhythm hopefully the ncaa can clarify their rules hopefully agents activities are monitored so that kids are protected and then we can move on and everybody's happy but for the next for the next handful of months years it's kind of the wild west and we have to figure it out so are just some thoughts on name image and likeness i hope you all enjoyed the episode um and hopefully we'll have mike back this weekend and we can get back into that rhythm and follow me on the socials twitter instagram all that good stuff and we'll talk to y'all this weekend later